Welcome to Conan Kruger. That's Larry Kruger. Grant Cohn back off a week hiatus. A lot has happened since we last talked. We're going to talk about Trey Lance, Brock Purdy, but first the Niners signed a player. The 49ers have signed wide receiver Chris Conley. He didn't do much last year, and he's about 30, but he's been a starting wide receiver for a while on some good teams. What do you make of this transaction? Um, it's interesting. I mean, I I think that um, you know he ran 4-3 coming out and he had 46 inch vertical we're talking about an incredible athlete um he's better than just a camp body so mm-hmm. it kind of makes me wonder if there's any truth to the rumors that iu could be on the move because That's what i was thinking um why are you they're still looking at r- rookie receivers it's a really good rookie receiver class and i think iuk's replaceable for sure um and i think his value in a trade i mean why did they meet with isaiah foskey who's going to be a late first, early second round pick if they weren't going to have a late first or an early second round pick. And if it sounds like they might not move the quarterback, maybe they're going to move Ayuk. I don't know. I, mean, I was hard. thinking the I, same thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, Conley's pretty good though. Well, I, I mean, I don't know what he has left in the tank. I think he had like four or five catches last year, but he he's a split end. He plays Ayuk's position. He's bigger than Ayuk. I don't know if he's still faster than Ayuk, but at one point he was faster than Ayuk. And I think it's clear that the Niners are looking at split ends to potentially replace Brandon Ayuk if they don't keep him long-term because they might just trade him during the draft. To your point, they've been looking at receivers that are out of their league, out of their range. So that's odd. Yeah, they could trade Brandon Ayuk. You can't, you, you really shouldn't be paying for a lot of money for a lot of wide receivers. Like Those are guys you can draft. And I like Ayuk, but if you put him in this draft, I think, I mean, who he might be the second or third best wide receiver in the entire draft. I mean, you might be able to get a late first round pick or even a high second round pick for, for Ayuk. And we've seen him do it before with Buckner and Kinlaw. I could see them doing it again. Yeah. This is one of those signings where it's like they sign a receiver and I think fans might think, well, they're, now they're not going to draft one because they signed one. Like this guy might not necessarily make the team, but I think he shows you what the Niners are looking for. And, and they're looking for an X receiver to potentially replace Brandon Ayuk, because I don't know that Danny Gray showed that he's that guy. Right. And and also, you know, um, you've got every spot covered now. You've got the speed threat. You've got, you've got you know, Jennings, a route runner. Um, Conley's a big-bodied guy. And if you're looking at other receivers, you still have Debo. You got Tay Martin. You know, it get, definitely – I mean, why are you looking at receivers in the draft if – you know, they're already seven deep. They usually keep five. So it kind of makes me think that – maybe if a team comes knocking, they're willing to, for the right uh, pick compensation package. Maybe they're willing to move Ayuk and it's, instead of extending him. I, they've kept six wide receivers before. It's possible that I, I still think they're going to draft a wide receiver. I don't think they're done here. I think they're really looking at this position. I don't know. I don't know that Danny Gray showed him anything last year. I mean, if they can move off of Trey Sermon after a year, they could do the same thing with Danny Gray. So no one's safe here except for Debo, I guess, because they signed him. I, look and, at I mean, Jennings, I think, is a fixture, but but you're right. I mean, yeah. Debo's the lock. Ayuk's possible. You know, will they move Ayuk? I, you know, I think New York <laughs> Giants would love to have Ayuk. I mean, there's five yeah. or six teams in the NFL that would die for Ayuk. So if you could get a, a, you know, what would it take? Probably 
a high second round pick and maybe another pick, a second and a fifth, See, something like that. I don't think that's enough for Ayuk. He was a late first round pick, and I think he's lived up to his draft status, if not exceeded it. If they, if they trade him for a second round pick, I don't know. I, I think you should be. Uh, to, I think you should be able to get a late first for him. And if you can't, do you do it? I don't know. I mean, a late first, maybe a high second, and maybe a couple other Plus, picks. I mean, you know, thing. yeah, same thing. Yeah, six one half dozen or the other. Nathan says, Larry and Grant light the beam. I don't know what that refers to. I know it's a Sacramento thing. Yeah. Every time the Kings win, they light the beam, and it go, it's a purple light that goes up out of the, out of the arena, the oh. Golden One Center. And cool. it's like their rallying cry for, like, they only light it when they win. So it's like oh. Kings fans saying light the beam like they're going up 2-0 tonight. We'll see. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, I know you both are Warrior fans. Incorrect. Not a Warrior fan. I was growing up, but I am a journalist. And I could care less if they lose. Love your show. It's fantastic. Thank you, Nathan. I do love the Warriors. I, I, as Monte Ellis said, I, I, I am a Warriors, and I'm always going to be a Warriors. Respect. Well put. Monsatore says, Niners also added Tyron Johnson, 43640. Hmm, interesting they're putting all this speed on the outside. Who's that for? Sam Darnold? <laughs> yeah. Or maybe Trey Lance. Lance. Yeah. Or maybe Trey Lance. Yeah. That is an interesting development because I wouldn't think that's for Brock. No offense to Brock. Um, so Larry, you put yourself out there. You said that you thought you made a really compelling case for why you thought the Niners were going to trade Trey Lance during the draft. You were reading the tea leaves. I was convinced, but then Brock Purdy opened his mouth this week. I'm no, no offense to Brock and, and just kind of says something we hadn't heard. It really is a possibility that he might not play this year. That really, he's just taking it one day at a time. And God knows, because this is uncharted territory for a starting quarterback in the NFL. And now I think it's time, like, I'd like to revisit that prediction. Do you still feel the same way, or does this new information kind of change things? Well, I mean, it does change certain things, but it still doesn't make any sense of why John Lynch would say, well, we like Trey on our team right now, yeah. why Shanahan would never compliment him, why yeah. why Shanahan would say in Arizona that they're going to listen to trade offers for their receivers. So, I, yeah, I mean, the Brock Purdy comment makes you think, man, I mean, if Brock's not there – you, you got to have Trey Lance and that's got to diminish the chances of they'll move of them moving Trey Lance. And at the same time, why are they working out? Why are they meeting with DTR two and three times? I mean, from what I'm hearing that maybe they've had as many as three meetings with uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, uh, which now starts to make me think that's a smoke screen. So hmm. I don't, you know, I don't know what to believe as exactly, but I, I won't back off of it. I still think, um, they would move Trey on draft day. Um, but this definitely changes the equation. I mean, if Brock's not going to be healthy this year, the other thing that I think could be happen is they could just say, you know what, we'll give Trey this year. Yeah. You know? And then and Brock, take more, a year. Take your time. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. it makes more sense to both Brock. Yes. You know, um, I agree. If Brock is it. Are they going to let Brock? Are they going to rush Brock back? That doesn't seem like the move. And then, are they going to get rid of Trey after four right. starts? Right. With the considering right. the investment, that doesn't seem like the move. But um, I'm with you. But it just, it's the best thing for both. Sitting Brock for best. a year might be the best thing for him and for the franchise and for Trey. It's I'm with you on that. Or or here's the other side. Maybe Brock's just covering his bases. He's still going to be healthy. They still want to go with him. They still want to commit to him. And they want Brock and Darnold and a rookie quarterback. I don't know. I, I, I really don't that know. Is true. I mean, what's Trey going to cost them on the cap? 
Um, yeah. I don't know. And, and then think about it too. It's like at the end of the day, Grant, what are we talking about? I'm trying to simplify this. Is, is Brock a starter? I think he is. Is Trey a starter? I think he is. So I don't know that they're both going to be able to be here long-term. I think right. one will be traded for sure. I'm not as convinced that it will be Trey on draft day as I was, you know, 10 days ago. But um, I still think that they're going to commit to Brock and move Trey. But now the timeline's very murky because of this right. latest the latest uh, revelation. And people can say, oh, come on, it's nothing, it's nothing. I don't know if it's nothing. It's like you've Brock Purdy stating that he may not play this year. You're not putting that out there unless you think there's a, po a at least right. some percentage possibility that that is the case. Because let's be honest, we've heard the timeline. Kyle said six to eight months. Let's say it's six months. He had the procedure on March 10th. Six months from then is no, uh, September 10th. That's almost two weeks after final cutdown day. So he's probably not going to be fully cleared when they set their 53-man roster. So he'll probably start the season on the pup list, which means he'll have to miss the first four games, which means he'll miss the entire offseason plus the preseason plus the first four games. So even in week five, will he be ready or will the Niners have to get him like ready in practice? So to me, even the, the, the fastest case scenario is him getting rushed back midseason or coming back at the end of the season or just not playing at all. Yeah, I mean, so so you need to be covered and it's it's a weird situation because the 49ers have the highest um, over under in Vegas. They've got a really good roster, but. Mm -hmm. There's questions about Darnold, questions about Trey, questions about Brock, questions if they're going to invest a day two pick and a quarterback. Um, I can't remember a team that was this talented who was thought to you know be this good of a team compared to the rest of the league that had this many questions at the most important spot. I know, and everyone says, like, it doesn't matter. They'll figure it out. I mean, I actually feel that I would be most confident with another rookie. Given how much success they had with a rookie last year, all three, two of these guys have injuries they're coming off of, and one guy is a head case. I mean, I would just feel confident with just bringing some rookie who hasn't gotten injured and hasn't gotten beaten down by failure in the NFL and put a good team around him. But maybe I'm just living a prisoner in the moment. Well, I mean, also, I mean, I think you want a rookie that's played. So that's yeah. why DTR makes sense. I mean, right. he's played. He's played five yeah. years. So, you know, and is it possible that this rookie might actually become the starter i mean it, it's it's possible why not um yeah so I if mean, mr irrelevant and, could become a starter why couldn't a third or fourth round or fifth round pick right and 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 you know what where they're sitting there at the end of the third round with three picks if they are fine with that second group jake hayner tanner mckee dtr jaron hall clayton toon max du uh, duggan if they're if they like that group of quarterbacks they get they're gonna have their pick of them so right. I, I you know i I didn't, if you know, three days ago, if you'd said Niners are going to go quarterback with one of those top three picks, I would have said no way. Now yeah. I think it's very likely they go quarterback with one of those top three picks. Absolutely. Like if, if they want to slow play it with Brock because they think he could be their quarterback for a long time and they just give him a year off, well, Trey Lance, Sam Darnold, it's possible neither one is the answer. And you might need to draft a guy, not with the last pick, not with the seventh round pick to go in the practice squad, but to potentially start. At some point, right. if not right away. So if Kyle's making that decision and he falls in love with a guy, he's not going to wait around. He took C.J. Beathard in round three. He'll take someone in round three. So who do you think 
who's your favorite of, of these uh, potential options? I like Jaron Hall from BYU. Um, okay. Great athlete, has some Mahomes escapability. Like you know how Mahomes plays in the from the pocket, looks to play in the pocket, but then once a game busts you for like a forty-five yard run down the middle, and he shows like all kinds of speed. That's this guy, Jaron Hall. Um, I like him a little bit more. I like also like Max Duggan a little bit. I mean, I, I like. There's a number of quarterbacks I like, but as far as when you look at where the NFL is going, you got to have some movement ability. You, you can't just be that pocket guy. So I don't. For that reason, I don't like McTanner. I, I think he's going to get crushed. And Sorry, then team. Aiden O'Connell, I think, is another pocket passer. So I think it's down to like you'll be like Duggan, Clayton Tune. DTR, Jaron Hall. I think those are probably the choices. And of that group, I like Jaron Hall the most and then probably Duggan. I like Jaron Hall's deep ball. He throws a real nice deep ball. He seems like he can do everything. He can get the ball out of his hands quickly. He can move. He can push the ball down the field. Only thing with him, I don't care about his age, but I think one thing that the Niners have shown is they're not necessarily great at teaching quarterbacks the basics. They kind of need guys who are experienced and developed. And he's kind of like Bethard, you know, 700 throws in college, two-year starter. That's, no, that's, that's nothing to, to sneeze at, but that, I mean, we both prefer DTR. And I think one of the reasons they're probably so intrigued with him is because, like Purdy, he played a ton in yeah. college. And I think that particular type of quarterback really does well with the Niners. No doubt. And then, and you always, to me, it's not the guy's old. It's why, why did he, right. how did he get here? Why is he an older player? He's, right. this guy's an older player because he served an LDS mission. Correct. So that, and that, he was sitting behind Zach Wilson. Yeah. And he's, a, yeah. This guy's married with, with a kid. Right. I mean, he's pretty, this is a very mature player. Um, the only, yeah, I'm not concerned I, about the age. I, I don't I, care about hitting hookers' yeah. age either. And no, no. But, but no. I, the thing about DTR that makes me, not wonder about him as a player, but just wonder about their interest is the fact that they've had three meetings with him. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like that's probably a smoke screen, isn't it? I mean, or, or I mean, or, or do they, right, right. I no, mean, it's possible. They, they want him to go like make everybody yeah. think we want this yes. guy because we want that guy. Kind exactly. Of yeah. I mean, he, he was originally looked at as like a day three pick, but his stock is up and maybe the Niners think, well, if someone takes him in the nineties, that someone we really want drops to us. Like, Drake Jackson did that for them last year. Maybe that's the thing. Or maybe they really want this kid. Yeah. I yeah, they might really want him and they just want to talk to him. So, I mean, I just feel like know, if they like Purdy, what, you don't know what's a smoke screen and what isn't. I feel like he's a combination of Purdy and Lance. He's got Purdy's experience, but Lance's yeah. athleticism. And I think both of those things uh, appeal to the 49ers. Not to take anything away from Purdy's uh, feet because it is not, it, it, he is a playmaker. But I think they want, you know, Jalen Hurts style playmaking, a, a guy you can actually run 11, 12 times a game like Trey. And Thompson Robinson was that kind of guy in college, even though he's a little bit smaller. He's lean, but he's, he's 6'2, very fast, very experienced. He doesn't, yeah. you're not going to fool him a whole lot. He's seen it all. Mm -hmm. I thought this year there were times, I mean, you're a UCLA guy, so you probably mm -hmm. watch him more than I do, but. But I thought there was times this year where UCLA's offense looked kind of borderline unstoppable. It was so him and good. Charbonnet and. And the tight end. No receivers you can name. Yeah, I mean they had the they had the one big tight end, but I mean they had basically Charbonnet. Yep. Um, and and DTR and DTR yep. just made a lot of plays on third down. So there was yeah. times this year where DTR looked great. And to yep. me, he's a rhythm guy. If he's in rhythm, I mean he's dangerous. And you put him on this team with Christian McCaffrey, Debo, and Ayuk and Kyle Shanahan. Like 
Now, he, he comes from a spread offense. He played for Chip Kelly. I mean, you, you probably wouldn't start him week one or year one, but man, he's got a lot of things that appeal to the 49ers, and he could have a lot of success here. He went to UCLA. They don't have really any wide receivers anyone can name that, that are in the NFL. So, and not only that, he was a great high school. He went to Bishop Gorman in Vegas, yep. a big powerhouse high school. He was a great player in, Ve- in in high school. I mean, this this guy's been on the radar of NFL people for years and years. Yeah. I wonder what they think of how Chip Kelly coached him. I mean, he is an NFL coach, even though he's a college coach, too. It seems like maybe they feel Chip prepared him for what he's going to have to face. Well, I mean, the one thing about the uh, the one thing I mean you can say is Chip uses um, a logic, a lot of gadget plays, a lot of the quick game, a lot of the stuff right around the line of scrimmage. Your footwork has has to be on point. Your timing has to be on point. Your knowledge yeah. of play, and ability to carry out play fakes has to be on point. I mean, there's some carryover from what Chip does to what Kyle does. Yeah, and it's like if C.J. Stroud from Ohio State can go in the top five, then what's the di- I mean, didn't that coach work with? Didn't he come from Oregon? I mean, like, what's the difference? It seems like you can't. It's not you can't use that against quarterbacks as much anymore. And it, it, you probably shouldn't be scouting offenses either. It seems like people like Will Levis because of the offenses he was in, not so much of what he did in college, as opposed to this kid. Yeah, I mean, Will Levis just didn't win in college, but he held the ball really long. He made a lot of mistakes. If you watch Kentucky, they weren't very good. I mean, right. um, and they weren't very consistent. I mean, people just fall in love with Levis because he's 6'3", 230, and he's got the best. Prototype. Yeah, the best gun probably yeah. in the whole in the whole class. And he comes from that traditional system, and he can fit your offense. Like, forget your offense and fitting someone into it. Why don't you get the best quarterback and work with him? I'd like to see if Kyle would do that. I almost feel like I don't take this DTR thing seriously because I don't think he would ever draft a quarterback who comes from a spread offense. I think that's why he passed on Mahomes and why he didn't take Justin Fields and why he liked Trey Lance at first. I think he scouts the the, the offense, and I just can't see it. But I'd like to. That would be growth for him if he could t- if he could take DTR. I'll tell you one thing too. It's like I don't I don't like quarterbacks that don't win in college. I mean, it's like you know nobody thought TCU was going to be in the national championship game, but they were, you know? So to me, I'll give Duggan a little bit. I'll mark him a little higher for having won a TCU. So I, you know, that that's the only thing when you look back at some of these guys, like, you know, Levis from Kentucky, it's like, they didn't win very much. Right. Um, You know, and it's like, wouldn't they have won a lot if he was really special? It's kind of, you know, I, you always got to kind of wonder about that. Yeah, how many quarterbacks who didn't win much in college ended up being great? John Elway's one. Is there another? I mean, Jared Goff didn't win much in college, and he might be another one, although he's kind of had an up-and-down career. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Although he did win some. I mean, Mahomes didn't have an unbelievable record in college. Thank you, Cliff Kingsbury. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, And, you know, um, so it's, it's hard yeah. to evaluate these quarterbacks, but sometimes you got to yeah. take the, the surrounding yeah. cast. You got to factor that in as well. But it's just like, if you're really great and you're so great, you're going to be an NFL star. Couldn't you elevate your college team to being a winning Should. team? I mean, like I, to me, I look at what Duggan th- did this year, leading TCU to 12 and one. And I think, you know what? That kid might be an interesting mid round guy. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, Monsatore says Brock is a man of faith. He basically is saying he's unaware of his return. Kyle's being patient with Purdy as he should. Lynch said they should create 
Uh, Lynch said they need to create the opportunity. Brock on IR or Pup will do. Yeah, I think he'll be on Pup unless I'm misreading the situation. Well, is is Pup four and IR six? Is that mm. how that goes? Pup is four. Pup is four for sure. They changed that. A IR was like six, wasn't it? The first six. That, weeks? that sounds right. That sounds right. So they could do that. They could do that. You know. Um, Fish and chips says any possums in the studios. Is that for you? That no, that's a, a reference to the Oakland Coliseum the other night at the A's <sighs> game. There was a possum in the broadcast studio, broadcast room of the Coliseum. That's disgusting. Good job. I told you my last, my la- the last game Niners of Candlestick w- gets the Falcons. Were you there that night when yes. Omen had the pick six? Mm-hmm. I did the post game show. I'm leaving down the escalator, running up the escalator while it's going down to raccoons. Yeah, seriously. I'm like, come on, bro. They're like, hey, Larry, how you doing? <laughs> I mean, I moved I'm to the side, they just ran right on by. That's. Ugh. That's when you knew it's you know it's time. Yeah, time <laughs> Fonzie Gonzalez says crazy scenario. Brock sits out 2023. Lance balls out with all the weapons. Tua struggles in 2023. Niners trade Brock to Miami, and for a second rounder, Brock is able to live his Marino dream wearing 13. He would never get 13 in Miami. He couldn't <laughs> wear never. 13. Are you kidding me? That is interesting though. I mean, I, I wouldn't rule anything out. Uh, the the Niners quarterback drama has crazy twists and turns like every six months. So, sure. I'll remember you said that. Gammon Brown says, great show at Larry. You're killing the game. He is killing the game. Killing the game. Are you going to do a post-game uh, stream tonight? Yes. Uh, yeah. In fact, I'm yeah. gonna ha- it's going to be a big one, man. I've got um, my I've got to have a full house tonight. i got Frank Red in the house. Cy, Cy Sots is from Locked On Warriors. Uh, John Dickinson from 95.7 The Game. Love John it's gonna Dickinson. Be, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a packed house tonight. After hopefully a Warrior win. John Dickinson is one of my favorite people. When I see in the uh, press JD. box, he always JD. he always gives me a smile, and he works very hard. He's always there, always showing up Guy on the road, hard. everywhere. Okay, I haven't talked to you in two weeks. Since then, Trey Lance has been putting out clips of him working out. He does this every off season, and he's been very calculated. I don't know who's putting it out, but. At first, it's just his upper body, slow motion, and it's a throw with the perfect spiral. And I wonder why that's picked. Then he's shown more where he's, you know, it's not slow motion. It's his full body. It's like four or five throws, and we don't want to overanalyze anything, but have you seen anything that gives you, that makes you encouraged, or does it all like look basically the same? Well, I mean, I'm not a quarterback coach, and I've never coached the position. Um, full disclosure, <laughs> but I, I will say this. It's great that he's working out and it's great that he's putting in the reps and uh, that all great stuff. As far as changes from last year to this year. No, I haven't seen anything that I thought was meaningful. I asked a quarterback coach uh, who I know in the league to, to look at it and tell me what he thought. And he said, there's still tons of wasted movement in that motion and that there's just a lot of work that needs to be done on this motion. So, uh, I don't know what to make of it. I don't put a lot of credence into it. Um, the one concern I had was the hitch. Like when, when, you know, as far as, does he take it from here to here? You know, when he identifies where he wants to go with it, how quickly from when he identifies where he's going with it to it coming off of his fingertips, how long does that take? Because that's the amount of time that if a corner or safety's reading your eyes, 
when you identify where you're going, they start to break if they're reading your eyes. But then when you get the ball out of your hand, that's a big equation there. So um, I haven't seen – to me, it looks a little – he looks a little quicker to the release. His release mm. looks a little quicker. And I thought his – I mean, it was great to see him throw a spiral because he seems like he's thrown a lot of non-spirals. Um, but I can't really take any – first, I can take nothing out of the slow-mo. The mm. slow-mo, nothing. But um, the the two-throw thing, one throw that I saw, one throw was behind the receiver. So he's running this way, and he's got to turn back for it. The other one was just a little, like, almost like a half throw. Like, he didn't even follow through. Like, he was just kind of playing around. It wasn't even a f- throw to the flat. So I, I really couldn't take anything from that. But other than to say, you know, it's great that he's working out. It's great that he's feeling good enough. Um, I, I, you know, I'd, I'd feel better if you could show me not his throwing, but his, you know, I'd like to see him go through like the tire gauntlet or, you know, something that shows me the ankle, um, mm. the ankle's fine and that he can explosively cut off that ankle. I'm more concerned about the rehabilitation from the injury than the refinement of the motion, but that's, yeah. Just- and I don't, I don't think we should expect that he have, we, I don't think we should expect that he would have made all, all kind of strides. Like he had a broken ankle. What the hell was he doing the last seven, eight months? Like rehabbing his ankle. The, the process kind of starts now, which again is discouraging because they keep setting him back. But I think the way, what I'm looking for with him is he's an arm thrower. Like he has such a powerful arm that he can essentially whip his arm without really much leg action and probably throw it 60 miles an hour. Like he's extremely strong. But that's going to lead to inaccuracy, arm fatigue, and eventually injury. And he's never going to be a top five quarterback in the league if he's all arm. And I keep comparing him to kid I grew up with who was a major leaguer for 10 years. Remember Tyson Ross? Yeah. Yeah. His brother, his brother and him, yeah. both both uh, pro ball players. Yeah. Oh, Dow, Tyson's right? six. Yeah, I, he was a year older than me. I mean, I've known Tyson since we were like seven, eight. Tyson's six, six. He's been huge forever. Um, you remember he had that really short stride, that low three-quarter release. Very violent, extreme, throw 96 mile an hour without any leg action. And eventually he had injuries and it ended his career. Like that's kind of what I see with Trey Lance. And the fact that he talked about arm fatigue doesn't surprise me at all. And I guess he has the right idea. He's going to the right coaches. He knows what he, what he needs to do. I don't know if he'll ever fix it. Um, It's tough. It's really hard to change your throwing motion, even if it's small tweaks. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is what it is, but you know what? You're throwing. Mo- There's all kinds of different guys who are in the Hall of Fame or won Super Bowls with different throwing motions. Mm-hmm. It's not the end all be all to me. I mean, in a game where you throw 20 times in a game, Grant, how many times do you get to truly step in and make your exact perfect throw? A lot of times you're throwing in and around arms and legs, different platforms. Absolutely, urgency. No, yeah. You Mahomes it. is a great example of that. Yeah, but Mahomes what I'm saying is he he also doesn't. He uses his legs well. His legs aren't in the way, and he has like a full. He he's an effortless natural thrower. Trey Lance will never look effortless and natural until he gets his lower body to work with him, not against him. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, it's to yeah. me what I'm looking for is pre. I'm I'm I want to see him get the ball out of his hands to his receivers in um, on the move and from the pocket in a rhythm uh, this summer. But then once yep. we get into the games. Once we get into the preseason games, I just want to see him move the football team 
and yep. convert on third down and just keep his yep. team on the field and score points. And yep. once we once we actually start to see that, I think everything will smooth out. And he's got plenty of weapons, plenty of firepower, plenty of talent. It's just a matter of, you know, can you score? Can you lead the offense to consistent points? Can you can you convert on third down, keep your team on the field? It's those kinds of little things. Because we right, we've see. seen him scramble. Yeah. We've seen him scramble. We've seen him throw downfield. He could do those things. But we've also seen how much success Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo have had just taking the layups, just taking the easy stuff that the defense gives you. And I think for Trey at certain times, those easy throws have been a bit of an adventure. And if he can just show that he can throw the quick slants or the bubble screens or whatever on time, in stride, accurately, he'll be fine. But he needs to show that. She's just got to get reps, get gain some confidence, gain some rapport. Um, and as you said, you the one thing about the NFL, it's like it's like it's like NBA. It's like you can't be in the NBA if you miss all your layups and miss all your free throws. You have to hit the layups and the free throws. And it's like same in the NFL. You can you can't make a living just throwing the deep out. You have to be able to throw all the underneath patterns and all the gimmies. You got to do, you got to be able to make those plays. So it's just about consistency and reps and he'll get it. It's not rocket science. It's just, he's got to get comfortable and he's got to get a number of reps, get some field time. This guy said less field time than every other quarterback that you watch on television. He played one year of college. He's played one year since high school. He's got very little experience. He just needs reps. Ezio Sanchez says Jeff Bezos buying the Seahawks in 2024. Is he? The, the, yeah, I mean, when he, he jumped out of the Commanders, eventually the Seahawks will be will be uh, sold, right? And aren't they in a trust? Paul Allen's trust, right? Now? Right. So I would yeah. imagine that will get done at some point, but I don't know if it will go to Bezos. Hmm. Christopher uh, Kyrus says, "What's up, Grant and Larry? Love your guys' content. I got my fiance to watch your show with me the other day, Grant." She said you're handsome, so she didn't mind. I told her, sorry, babe, he's married. <laughs> Thanks, Christopher. I appreciate it. That was very nice. <laughs> Thank you very much. Kev F says, can we get a Cone Kruger post-game dub show? Nah, <laughs> nah, nah, nah. But you should definitely you check out live? Larry's. Do you go live? I'm gonna, the no, I'm just going to put up a little five-minute video. I'm not that ambitious yet. <laughs> but I, I, you should all check out Larry's for sure. It's going to be phenomenal. Um, so... We should hook up for like a 49er post game at some point. What do, what do you do in the post? Because I see you writing. You're in I do there. It, I do it from the stadium, but it's like three hours after the final whistle because I got to go. I mean, you're there, but I, I ended up. Do, I end up. Do you, I, what do, you, do you do? Do you just put up a mic right a camera right there in the on, on the in the press box, or do you do you do a live no. stream or do you do a video? I go I go out on like the 50 yard line, like the second level, and I'm like. Uh, I'm like the you know what that the Xfinity thing is like on the the top of the first level in the 50 yard line. I go right there, so I set and up. Just, I bring up stream. Yeah, they they don't want you to be like on the field, but if you go up to the second level, it's no it's no problem. Oh, okay, I stream. So I, it's that way you have like you know you're not inside. It's, it's something to look at. I think it's better anyway. It's better. Yeah, it's better. I think it's better anyway. So we're talking Trey Lance, Brock Purdy. I think it's interesting that a lot of reporters keep saying. Hey, don't be surprised if Sam Darnold starts week one. Almost like they're hearing something. The latest guy is Brian Baldiger. He comes out, and again, no analysis. Just says, don't be surprised if Sam Darnold starts week one. He says, look, if it's a competition between him and Trey, you're talking one guy who's had five starts in three years against Sam Darnold, who's highly experienced, and he thinks Sam Darnold's going to beat him out. What do you think? 
Well, I follow this guy on Twitter. Uh, his name's Grant Cohn, and he put out the stats of Sam Darnold's last game. Was that? Do you have that right there? I can get it. I, I mean, that it. was a when I read that, I was like, well, I I'll, I'll say this. I watched the highlight reel of Sam Darnold in Carolina. And if you just go off the highlight reel, he looks like one of the NFL's better quarterbacks. He's mobile. He's big. He makes a number of throws. He's got great zip on the ball. It's a very catchable ball. He seems like he's aware down in distance. He's got it plays with a little edge, a little fire. He looks good. But then you showed me those stats from that last game, and those stats were putrid. So stats sometimes lie, but not when they're just game stats. And Let me give you the stats. Yeah, what do you got? Let me give you the stats. Last game of the year, he won this game, okay? 10-7 to 7 against New Orleans. 5 of 15, 43 yards, no touchdowns, two picks, two sacks, two fumbles. In one game. And the week before, he fumbled three times. So to me, like, like to your point, when you watch his highlights, he looks like a bigger Brock Purdy. But what you're not seeing is all the freaking turnovers that Brock doesn't commit. And I think, I mean, they can talk themselves into Sam Donald if they want. He will play himself onto the bench real fast because you can't have a, a quarterback turning the ball over on this team. It's too good. He'll lose games. I mean, you know, if you want to blame the Jets, fine. But now you're going to blame the Jets and the Panthers. You know, I don't, I don't. To me, it's like, a, you know, based on what I've seen, and what do I know? But based on what I've seen, Trey Lance beats out Sam Darnold easily, easily. Um, I, think I think so. Trey's going to get better, but but it makes you wonder, why is everybody, why is Rappaport and Baldinger, why are these people ta talking up Sam Darnold? I mean, why? Because I think someone in the organization is talking him up off the record. That's my best guess. I don't think all these guys had a had a bright idea at the same time. The same bright idea at the same time. My or guess is not going to be a competition. Or is is what I was saying before going to happen? And they're going to move Trey Lance. And then what those guys are predicting is they know it's going to be Darnold against DTR or Darnold possible. against you know Clayton. I have Tunes. an alternate theory. I have an alternate theory. What if you know these guys who can get to Kyle Shanahan and ask him off the record, Kyle off the record, who's it going to be? Brock or Trey? Brock or Trey? I could see Kyle being like. Hey man, don't write off Sam. Who's gonna who's to say it's not gonna be Sam? Because from Kyle's perspective, I think he thinks he's the reason any quarterback has success. And those two guys are coming off injuries. And this year, Sam's the healthiest. I mean, he might just make magic with Sam. I think he feels if he can make magic with Brock, he could do it again with Sam. And I would say, dude, you're tripping. There's a big difference between Brock and Sam, but maybe he disagrees. Yeah, I, I I've never understood the Sam love, didn't understand it. <laughs> Never have, never got it, and don't understand nope. it. Um, didn't like him at SC. Um, didn't see it with the Jets. Saw him say he was seeing, hearing ghosts, or seeing ghosts. Uh -huh. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'll say this though, Grant, go watch the 2022 Sam Darnold Carolina Panther highlight reel, and that will make you think that this guy's got talent. If Shanahan can get something out of out of Darnold. Shanahan might be able to get a contract extension on that alone. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, even in college, he didn't even have that great of a career. In 2016, as a redshirt freshman, he had 31 touchdowns, nine interceptions, completed 67% of his passes. That's a good year. But he only threw for like 3,000 yards. They ran the ball a lot. Then the next year, he passed more, passed 480 times, and his numbers tanked. He had 13 picks in 14 games, 26 touchdowns. Like He had one good year in college. 
And everyone glossed over that, and then now he's what he is. So I think he was just a bad evaluation to begin with. Were you there at the local pro day? Because from what I heard, Frank no. Gore was talking him up. No, I wasn't. I'm, Matt Farrow told gone. me that Frank Gore was at the local pro day and was talking up Darnold, who's his former teammate with the Jets. I don't know. I don't know what to believe because, to me, I've never seen him really look good. I'm afraid that he's going to look good in practice and the Niners are going to talk themselves into him and he's going to play week one and just turn the ball over left and right. And people are going to be like, right, why did we think anything else was going to happen? We've seen a lot of Sam Darnold. The results are in. If Trey Lance is on this team and he doesn't play week one and Brock Purdy's not healthy, I don't even know what I'm going to say at that point. I mean, Seriously, then now we got to seriously talk about is Trey a bust? If he cannot beat out Sam Darnold in a year where Brock Purdy's not ready to play, we got to question the pick at that point. Then I'm going to question, oh, question the pick now if you want. But I, it, well, I yeah, mean, it just seems it's been four games. I mean, you know, I mean, I, 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 I actually like Trey Lance. I, I still believe. I, I think I believe in Trey Lance more than the Niners believe in Trey Lance. It's shock. It's like they're more interested in developing Sam Darnold than Trey Lance at this time. Like that's who you're talking up behind closed door. Like it's it's insane to me. Yeah. Why why don't you work with Lance instead of just going on to the next one and trying to talk yourself into Sam Darnold because you don't know him that well yet? Again, it it just feels like they're the the kind of guys that are always looking for the next girl. Like whoever they're with, they don't like. It's, it's like, is that an insecurity? Like, if the girl likes you, you don't like her because she likes you, and any girl who likes you couldn't. It's like, what is that? There, there I don't know. People. I just went too far. Hey, I, no, I've no. There, I've worked for people. There people that, like that. There, I've worked for people that have so little belief in themselves that they they always like the some other workers yes. more than the people that work yes. for their company. Yeah. It's, yes. It's, it's classic. I don't get it. Insecurity. Anyway. Uh, deal. I I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I'm not sure what we're gonna see, but. Um, I think it's time to see Lance. If he's on this team, I think it's time to see him. What I will say, though, is I really appreciate how the 49ers always give us quarterback drama to talk about. They're a good team, which is good for hits, and they never have the answer at quarterback, which is good for hits. So I really want to say thank you. forty. I mean, it's not the best way to build a team, but it's the best way for us to talk about a team, so thank you. Grant's channel sponsored by Indecision (laughs) at Quarterback. Hell yeah, absolutely. That's the realest thing we've ever said. Rob Schneider says NFL Films made a video tribute for Willis and Bowman, first ILBs ever to get all pro nods in the same year. Legendary prediction. Kings win go up to nothing. Interesting. We're going to talk about that later. It's interesting. We thought at the time those were two Hall of Famers. Neither one's a Hall of Famer. And the fact that Willis isn't in yet, it kills me. But I, yeah, they, they need a little promotion because people are only going to forget about how great they were. As time goes on. So it just shows you how physical NFL is. It's like it just chews you up and spits you out. The careers are short. Bowman was awesome. Willis was the prototype. These guys were literally the, you know, two guys that two inside linebackers that had instinct, size, speed, and could cover that whole second level all by themselves. And it it was an incredible thing. Montatore says no one's in Trey's corner more than Kyle. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because well, if Kyle, well, based on what? Based on what? Because he's never ever said anything positive about Trey's ability to play the quarterback position. He'll say that he's a great kid. He'll say yeah. that his makeup's off the charts, but he doesn't talk about his release. He doesn't talk about his throwing. 
He doesn't talk about his accuracy. He doesn't talk about his processing. He doesn't talk about his play action game. He doesn't, I've, I don't think I've ever, ever heard Kyle ever compliment Trey ever. I think it's fair. I mean, you don't want to just hype up a guy who's done nothing after three and because essentially call him four starts. He start he got hurt in the first quarter of the fourth start. He's played three games. So you don't really want to say it. You don't want to anoint him. And I think they're being smart. Like the org the locker room is kind of hesitant on the whole Trey Lance idea. Instead of saying he's a starter, say he's in a competition. Say you love Sam Darnold. Say Sam Darnold's the greatest quarterback of all time. And then if Trey Lance wins, it's like he earned something, which I think is some of the issue that some of the people on the team may have with him or some of the fan base has with him, that he was never that he never earned anything, that he took Jimmy's job and it wasn't fair or whatever. I don't know. Well, there's no doubt that he was n- Brock Purdy was not competing with him last summer. Right. N- n- no one was competing with him last summer. The only one who could have was intentionally held out of practice. Right. On a side field. K- Monsatore says Kyle is not showing his hand. OC before head coach. Um, yeah, I mean, if the Niners are in the market for a quarterback in the draft, I don't think they would want people to know that, even if they've met with DTR seven times. So I know it's a, I mean, seriously, the first meeting, I'm like, oh, they like DTR. The second meeting, I'm like, oh, maybe they don't. The third meeting, I'm like, no way, they don't like DTR. They love him. Smoke screen. It's got to be a smoke screen. Otherwise, what are you, what are you doing? You're meeting with them three times, chopping it up, talking about TV. Adam Peters went to UCLA. Maybe they're just talking about, you know, Pauly Pavilion. Yeah. March Madness. How's Chip Kelly right. doing? You got anything else you want to talk about the Niners before we finish it up and go to the go to the Warriors? Well, we we kind of hit the Conley thing, right? Did we kind of hit the We Conley? did hit the Conley thing. And, and it, 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 what's the most interesting thing about it is like what it might mean for Brandon Ayuk. Uh, that's the one. I mean, let me ask you this. Who do you think is more likely to get traded on draft night or during the draft? Trey Lance or Brandon Ayuk? Yesterday or two days ago, I would have said Trey Lance. Now I think I'd probably say Ayuk. Agree. And I think that's kind of the big takeaway from the last couple of days with what Brock Purdy said and, and Chris Conley getting signed. All of a sudden, all eyes on Ayuk. What's going on at wide receiver? Right. And Ayuk, yeah. this would be the right year to trade Ayuk. Not because for their cap, because I'm I'm looking just more at supply and demand. Look mm-hmm. at what he is right now. Look at the other receivers. I think you could get, you might be able to get that late first for him. Yeah. And as you said, he's very good, but he's replaceable because there's a lot of very good wide receivers that come out of every draft and all the rules favor wide receivers. It's way harder to play cornerback. It's tough to get those guys. One other thing, maybe related, maybe not, but if they were to get a late first round pick, the guy who I just think has got to be their pick is Michael Mayer from Notre Dame. I know Jed loves Notre Dame. He went to Notre Dame. They picked BY out of Notre Dame. I think they love Notre Dame. Mayer's very, very solid. If you could get Michael Mayer and move Ayuk, I think I would do that. And the interesting report, I don't, we didn't touch on this. Um, Matt Miller, the NFL draft scout guy from ESPN, says the Niners have done more work on the tight end group hmm. than almost any team in football. Is George Kittle, I know you had the thing about George Kittle being traded at one point. Mm-hmm. Do you think Kittle, I mean, is this, are they going to go for a big time tight end right now? and make this upcoming season Kittle's final season with the Niners. I mean, it would make sense if Brock Purdy is your quarterback long-term or Trey Lance or someone young. I mean, it would make sense to sort of build a younger core around that quarterback. 
And I mean, George Kittle, how much longer is he going to have in the league? He, his value is very high now, but if he has, it gets injured this year, does it go down? Yeah, I mean, it, you might want to start thinking about life after George Kittle. You might. So right, he draft. did a great year last year, though. Respect to George. I put you on the spot. You you had a great year, dude. That was oh. legendary. Yeah, I mean, especially with Purdy, he took off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, is it going to happen again? He's almost thirty. He plays a very physical style. He's had injury problems. I totally understand why the Niners start looking at this. You could argue it's they, they should have been looking at this two years ago. Yeah, yeah. And also, All right, their, let's talk- second, their second tight end is more like a fourth tight end. You know, I, I like Warner. I like Dwelly, but they're more like the last tight end on the roster. Yeah. And they and they're both like on the depth chart. They could use an another real tight end, big time tight end. Yeah, I mean they're they're more like special teams guys who are uh, you know they could be inactive any week. They don't really have a role in the offense. So I'm with you on that. Let's talk Warriors Kings. Yep. I expected the Warriors to win Game One. Give the Kings credit. They came out and were phenomenal in the second half. Won a close game. What do you think the Warriors need to do differently? to win this game and first and then second, what do you think is going to happen? Well, Fox was awesome. Monk was awesome. Both of them went to Kentucky and both played incredibly well in this game. And um, that was why the Kings won game one. As far as what the Warriors need to do, I mean, I'll tell you what they need to do. Mike Brown is extending the defense out past the three-point line against Stephen Clay. So they're guarding Stephen Clay 25 feet away from the bucket. It creates all this room underneath. And what the what the Warriors have to do is put Draymond Green at the free throw line or at the top of the key and feed him the ball and just have him pivot and either have Poole or Wiggins or Kuminga or any of DiVincenzo, any of your attacking players cutting to the hoop, and you've got Green right there in the middle of the defense and let him make the right play. I mean, don't keep settling for contested threes if the Kings want to play you out there. You know, get slip Draymond in behind them. He's the best passing big man in basketball. And you got three or four guys who can really get to the bucket and and just let Draymond find the open guy and break that whole thing down. I want to see that adjustment made. Did they change their starting lineup for, for game two? I saw a starting lineup getting floated around there with Looney not in it, Draymond at center, uh, Wiggins at power forward, DiVincenzo at small forward. Do you see that? I don't know if it's official for game seen two. It. I haven't seen the starting lineup yet. Um that's an interesting adjustment. I mean, if that's what they do, it clearly they want to improve their transition defense and make Sacramento play half-court offense. I think what's interesting is what are the Warriors going to do differently on defense? Because they scored 123. It's just their defense totally fell apart in the second half. Their two best perimeter defenders are Wiggins and Peyton. Peyton probably needs to play a little bit more, but w- what is Wiggins going to give you? Like, I don't think he's really in f- tip-top game shape yet, and I don't think you can expect him to be. No, no. I mean, I would like Wiggins to go to the hole more since he's got more energetic, you know, legs probably because he missed seven weeks. But one of the things they've got to do is they got to put some length on De'Aaron Fox. Fox is six three and a half, six four, and he's got unbelievable ability to go full bore and then put his foot in the ground, stop on a dime, create that separation at the elbow, and just shoot that mid range jumper or three pointer. And they've got to put more length on him. So. Wiggins, Kuminga, both those guys are 6'8", 6'9". They're great athletes. Body up Fox with greater size and try to take away that mid-range pull-up game because he's deadly. He's absolutely deadly. 
and you don't have that kind of body control. The other thing I would do is play Steph more minutes. You know, Steve Kerr's argument is that, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, I'm not going to play Steph 40 minutes a night because we got a deep playoff run. You could be out in three games. Mm -hmm. You're not. If they lose tonight, they got to win four of their next five. You you may not have a deep playoff run. Play Steph more minutes. They played Fox 40. They played Steph less. That was the difference. Um, Right there. The other thing is don't ignore, don't be so rigid on your, on, you know, when Curry has these offensive flurries, that's when Golden State takes off. He made a couple shots. They were up four end of third quarter. Kerr takes them off the floor. He doesn't bring them back in until they're down five. It was a nine point swing and Curry was getting hot. Don't take him off the floor after he's made a couple shots. You know, let him see if he can get it really going. I mean, he scores in bunches. So to me, I'd like to see Curry play a few more minutes, Kuminga play a few more minutes, some more length on De'Aaron Fox, and and the Warriors have to play a little bit better transition defense, and you've got to put a bigger body on Monk. And also, I thought Monk was going to be a perimeter shooter. Monk is going to put it on the deck and go mm-hmm. to the hole. So mm-hmm. be ready to put a, put a big-time defender, get GP2, and blanket him on Monk. And do- yeah. Monk went for 32, Grant. If, if he doesn't go for 30, Golden State is going to win. Fourteen free throw, throws that can't happen again. Yeah, for him. I mean you can't let him. You can't let him live at the line. I mean, he made all fourteen. No, so you're saying put more length on Fox. Agree, but to me that comes back to Wiggins. That's what Wiggins yeah. did so well last year. It's his skill set. But again, how how they manage Wiggins, I think, is key for this series. And I don't know that it's necessarily like. Oh, it's game two. He's got to play 35 minutes. Like he got gassed last game. I think if they play him like play him in, in short spurts. I don't know what it is, but they need him. And if it's not him, it can Kaminga do some of those things defensively, or is he not the defender that Wiggins is? Well, he's just he's younger and kind of inconsistent. Yeah. But what they really need, I mean, if you look at the numbers, Golden State got out rebounded on the bench. It was it was Sacramento's bench was plus yep. nine on the glass. Kuminga, um, you know, uh, Wiggins and Peyton have to rebound the basketball. I mean, Sacramento's yeah, going to be Wiggins. bigger. They're going to play Len. They're going to have Sabonis. They're going to be. They got a yeah. bigger bench than Golden State. They got size advantage inside. Barnes can rebound. They exactly. Barnes and, can and rebound. They to they me, get four offensive rebounds in this game. The, the Warriors Barnes. bench has got to rebound. One of the keys for yeah. the Warriors last year was Wiggins was the greatest rebounder he'd ever been last year. He had seven three and a half boards a game. And he had yeah, he had seven and a half. Yeah. And and and, yep. and Kuminga Kuminga six nine and can jump out of the gym. Guess how many rebounds he had in game one? Zero. Zero. Yeah, Zero. that's 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 huge. Those two guys have to be they monsters. Rebound. They have to be power forwards in this series, and they have yeah. to rebound. They got to rebound and got to because the night the, the Warriors big lineup can't isn't as good as the Kings big lineup. They got to go small. They got to run them off the court, and they got to be able to rebound effectively. Uh, effectively, otherwise they're going to lose like they did in game one. Yeah, and you and know what though was interesting. Though, I think oh, Sacramento ahead. needs this one tonight more than Golden State. I think Golden State can actually win game two at home or game three at home, game four at home, um, and win this series in Sacramento, either in five or seven. So I, I, I'm not, a, I, I don't think Golden State is like doomed if they lose this. I think they'll get, they'll get crushed by a lot of people if they lose this game tonight. I think Sacramento, this game's bigger for Sacramento. Sacramento's got to go up 2 0. If True. they really they want do. to have a chance to win the series. They do. And the, and the longer the series goes, the better shape Andrew Wiggins will get in and the more like the the Warriors they'll be. Uh, I also think Gary Payton the second is key in this series because Absolutely. him and Wiggins are their two best perimeter defenders. 
And this is a great offensive team that can really shoot. I mean, it can do everything offensively. So those two, those two are key. Yeah. Great offensive yeah. Te- Kings team. And, um, and then the hope that Keegan Murray stays cold because he was not hot in game one. If he gets hot from the three point line, he shot 41% from three. So that's another one. It's like you can't sag in off Fox. You just gotta you gotta guard Fox one on one, but you gotta guard him with greater length. Yeah. Um, and also Clay Thompson needs to bounce back. Clay Thompson did not have a good game one. No, he didn't. He should have gone to the hole on the final uh play instead of kicking it out to Wiggins. I know Wiggins was open, but it was a one point game and he only had De'Aaron Fox between him and the bucket. He was right at the restricted area. I mean, could have gotten fouled. I, I think he made the wrong play there. Well, and then Wiggins made the wrong play too. It's you got 10 seconds on the shot clock. You're one for seven from three. You've been out for seven weeks. Your shots rhythm isn't there. You're already one for seven from beyond the arc, but instead you, you hoist a three yeah. uh, when all you do is put it on the deck and go to the hole. The Warriors had great numbers in the lane. As far as finishing at the rim, they just didn't do it enough. They got to, they got to attack the rim more in game two. Who's going to win? I think Sacramento. I think Sacramento's <laughs> going to win game two. I think they're going up 2-0. Wow. I, guess. I, I will say this, with the, Warriors. the the uh, stat that jumped out, and I had it from yesterday, Golden State, since 2013, are 30-10 following a playoff loss. It's the highest winning go. percentage after a loss in that span. So, you know, Vegas probably believes in Golden State, but I, I kind of think Golden State could even dig themselves a deeper hole uh, before they get out, and I, I think Sacramento gets game two. I think the Warriors are going to rebound better, cut down Malik Monk's uh, offensive production, and win by seven. It should be fun, man. It's going to be a great. What do I know the, about the, football. The, the environment's mean, amazing, and I don't know how Sacramento did it, Grant, but Sacramento found a way to keep all the Warriors out of the all the Warrior fans out oh. of the arena. I mean, it was like it seemed like ninety five percent Kings fans. And uh, a good 10,000 of those, or at least 5,000 of those seats were on the open market. Anybody could have had them. Yeah, well, when those fans haven't been to a, a playoff game in their hometown in 25 years, probably they're, they're not going to let Warriors fans take that from them. No, Fish and Chips right. has questions about all three barrier head coaches. How's Kapler doing? Yeah, don't. <laughs> don't Kapler, ask. Kapler, seriously, I hope he's renting. <laughs> I mean, no, actually got a, he's going to be here through 2024, but he's just so nervous. Everything's so, he's just, he's, he, the, he's got, he puts out a, it's the opposite of Bochi. Bochi, everybody was calm. This guy, yeah. everybody's nervous. Everybody's on edge. They're, they're no I sport like, tonight. I feel like Bay Area baseball is almost dead. Like the A's aren't competing and the Giants have made themselves freaking boring. I mean, they were never boring when Sabian was here or when Bochi was here. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm old. Maybe maybe I'm No, no, it's that touch. it's that the the Giants have taken over the A's approach and now yeah, both teams which have the same sucks. approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with I miss Sabian. No approach. names, you know. It's 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 yeah. bleak. It's a bleak anyway. situation. Yeah. I, at least we got I like the fact that we got basketball right now. These are some big games. Oh, yeah. It'd be nice if baseball could come back and we could get playoff baseball in, in uh, the Bay again. That would be fun, but thank playoff God for the Warriors. Is- Playoff baseball is awesome, but I'm hoping that Warriors Kings gives us like the next three, four years a good, good rivalries. Yeah, so far it, it was kind of interesting how much the Kings celebrated after that game one win. I mean, taking pictures and stuff, it felt a little excessive. 
Like, hey, guys, it's a seven-game <laughs> series. It's, well, how about this? Their announcer, Mark Jones, was on the call on ESPN, and he's like, this is game one of the series, and he literally said this. And the Kings vanquish the Golden State Warriors. That's what you say when the series is over. One game. You don't say that at the end of game one. I thought that was very premature by Mark Jones. See, I, I feel like the Kings are going to be riding a little high. A little too high. Like, we did something. We accomplished something. We're better than them. And the Warriors are, you know, I, I don't know. I keep thinking they're going to, like, flip the switch. Because they've been a dreadful road team all year. And I don't understand it because they're champions. But this is the game where they lock in on the road. This is the game. Because everyone's counting them out. So, I don't know. Michael Wilbon from ESPN had a prediction. He's like, the Warriors are going to lose game two, win games three and four at home, lose game five in sack, win game six in San Francisco. Hmm. And he says the Warriors could beat the Kings in game seven in sack. Now that would be bitter for Kings fans, but could happen. Could what happen. an exhausting first round that would be for both teams. Um, oh, I know. We just talked about basketball on my channel for 10 minutes and only 50 people <laughs> less. We still got 777 people here listening about <laughs> basketball. Thank you very much, everyone. I appreciate it. Larry, great show today. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Next segment, we're talking sharks. Drew Remenda joins us. Yeah. No All sharks. right. See, see you guys. Go watch Larry. He'll be on tonight. I'll give you a little uh, instant analysis as well.